raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Wesson Walker show on a Monday. Panther Monday. Panther fans not feeling so great. There are a lot of fans everywhere not feeling so great, especially when you talk college football. We're about to get into that. Keep the text coming. 704-570-9610. Hit those socials. Hit that follow button. WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. Shut up. At Wesson Walker on Twitter. Wrong drop. At Wes Bryant <laughs> underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. At Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh. Yeah, that was a good drop right there. That was pretty dynamic. That cake, he's back there stuffing his face. That's why he can't uh, What's hit the, cake the right called? buttons. What's the cake called? It's called a pound cake. I, you guys called uh, it something else. Before we get started, <laughs> Colin, I'm going to blame it on him because I'm scared of your mom. I'm scared of the lovely lady that is Miss Fonda Bryant. Uh-huh. But it's too good to keep from these radio, from these airwaves, man. Fiddy has a pound cake because it was his birthday yesterday. Uh-huh. He had talked Ms. Bryant into baking him a cake. And she said, hey, you got to donate to the uh, nonprofit organization. And we can maybe put some of that information out there, too, because it would be great to do that for the listeners. But yeah. all that being said, so she made Fiddy a big old pound cake. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's legendary around here. Like, no, it legitimately is the best pound cake that anybody's ever had. I, I kid you not. Colin walks in, and he calls it something different. He calls it Keep Pounding Cake. Yeah. Now, it's a great name. The problem with... I, I think I think Ms. Bryant just heard that go off in her own head at that time. Because Wes gave us a very serious look, said she will go off if... She hears you talking about keep pounding cake, and she might not make it again. So, look, we might as well enjoy this big old cake that she made. <laughs> yeah, because this is probably going to be the last one for quite some yeah. time. Yeah, all right. Well, we, we, not ap- having it. we appreciate it either way. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best pound cake that exists. And uh, if we call it keep pounding cake, she might not make another one, but it's damn good. Yeah, I can't wait to hear her response. She <laughs> might just call in with you guys for that she one. She you guys a tongue lash. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, it's time I'm to sorry. go to the campus. Kona. All right, man, Eugene, we've been talking about Dion and the Buffs ad nauseum, but yes, they definitely got drugged through the mud in their football game versus the Oregon Ducks. They definitely have some more dues to pay. 42-6 to was the outcome. Let's get to some of the nastiness of this matchup, okay? Through three quarters, Oregon's lead was 42 to zip. The advantage in yards was 481 to 72. Oregon's defense held Colorado to 199 total yards. 127 of those came in the fourth quarter. They had seven sacks, broke up six passes, didn't allow a point until 251 to go in the game. Bo Nix, 276 yards, three touchdowns, 28 of 33 passes. Then when you talk about Colorado's issues this season, Deion said pregame, that he needs about seven or eight more dogs before they get where they need to be. And he's specifically talking about up front because Shador has been sacked 22 times this year, 5.5 per game. That is an absurd number. 
on 14 third down plays in the game versus Oregon. They faced an average of third and 10. And then Colorado finished with only 40 yards rushing against Oregon. You take away the sack yardage, which they had 73 of those. Colorado did just, they only had 113 yards on the ground. So when you deduct those yards, you get 40 for the game. And that number was put up by a couple of Shador Sanders runs late in the game when the game was over with. So what do we think? Are we still on board? Are the wheels coming off? And then we can get into Dan Lanning's uh, yeah. shenanigans Woo! during the game. What we, we, got? we got the audio, too, so we can play yes, that in just will. a moment. But as far as if I'm shocked with Colorado, no, I'm actually not. It, if you want to say you're shocked just about how badly they got beaten 42 to 6, okay, it's a big number to lose by. Even with the spread coming in at 21, it's still a big old spread to lose by. But I did expect them to lose this game, and I felt pretty comfortable. Because it's not like Colorado had been crazy good in all areas of the game against good competition. Against TCU, their defense gave up a lot of points. We know that TCU did not get to the college football championship last year based off of their defense, right? It was because Max Duggan is a Heisman candidate, and they're able to score a lot of points. You give Shador enough time back there, he's going to pick you apart, especially with a Travis Hunter. The next couple of games, you play Nebraska. That offense is atrocious. Sims was the worst quarterback that I had seen to the first two weeks of college football so you win that game and then Colorado State you win a close one and you're more talented I would imagine than Colorado State that's not to take any anything away from Colorado it's the real deal man they got some talent Shador is legitimately a top three quarterback prospect right now but when you face a team like Oregon who's got a lot of talent too who's got an experienced quarterback whose defense isn't nearly as bad as what a TCU might be putting out there or some of the previous weeks you're going to get drugged through the mud as you mentioned on the road that was another disadvantage for this Colorado team so maybe I'm a little surprised at just how bad they got beat down but this was always something I considered a loss for Colorado and why I was not comfortable putting them in that college football playoff discussion yeah I was very surprised at how bad they got beat I thought this was a team that you know they just play with that chip on their shoulder and so I thought coming into this game they would cover but I thought they'd lose but man this one was pretty much over with from the start after Oregon's first three to four possessions I was like yeah this is going to be a long day for Coach Prime and the crew but a big topic of discussion post game Dan Lanning's comments pre-game and he had a little bit more for the Buffaloes post game but let's hear the pre-game locker room speech that Dan Lanning gave to the Ducks before they came a quacking Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass, right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Now, for one, let me start with this. The only knock I had on this is if you're gonna say they're playing for clicks, then why the hell would Oregon want that filmed and put it out there? Exactly. Come on now. Exactly. We know that they want this to get out there and that message because it went viral. So there's no question that brought a lot of attention to the Oregon program and things of that nature. Okay, yes. 
But a lot of people had issues with it, and we know a lot of people like to turn it into race. I definitely am qualified to talk about that. And a lot of people like to get on there, and they felt like Dan Lanning as a white head coach, a lot of people in the African-American community and prime supporters took umbrage to that and had a lot to say on social media. Then you had some people getting even more into this and taking it deeper than rap, so to speak. Uh, I forget what the woman's name was that tweeted out. Uh, what did she say? She said... Uh, Standing up for all of us. This this is what oh, thank you, Dan Lanning, for standing up for all I'll of look us. It up. Come and on, drum, look the it up. Us, definitely big air quotes there. But let me just say this. I had zero issues with what Dan Lanning had to say during the game. It's competitive. It's cutthroat. And folks, when you're playing against another team and they are the ops, so to speak. You're going to say any and everything derogatory to your team to get them going. So I had no issues. It's football. A lot of people don't like to liken it to war, but it's still a war with two teams that are getting out there battling to win. It's vicious. It's nasty. I had no problems with what Lanning said, and now he'll have to deal with that at some point if Colorado and Oregon should meet again and the Buffaloes are better. Then he'll have to back up what he said once again. But, yeah, man, I had no problems with it. Fitty hit the foul line. I'm ready to go. Oh, let's go! They'll look oh. at this to see whether this is oh, a flagrant. No. Mm, that, that was scary. Look at, he's getting I don't, loose even, I don't right even know now. if I want to see that he's again. He's getting loose. You've got to think that's oh, going to be a flagrant. Oh, my goodness, the on a is, Monday. Is it a Here we go. What did you say to me? <laughs> Get him! Everybody that took some kind of happy emotion into Deion Sanders getting beat this weekend, you're lame. Anybody that had a problem with Dan Lanning pregame speech, you are so lame. <laughs> to put it in the words of Jamel Hill tweeting out there, she's heard worse pregame speeches from coaches that would convince their players the other team kicked puppies for a living. They're playing for clicks, not wins. Honestly, that's a bar, even if it is hypocritical. We see coaches <laughs> do this constantly. That You are... Uh, me wearing this pink, bright-ass shirt, I'm calling you soft. Ooh. If you had a problem with that, I'm calling you soft. We know how this stuff goes. And if you took pride in Deion Sanders and the Buffaloes losing the way they did against Oregon, how lame are you to take some kind of joy? It was about time they got beat down. Right. It was about time those <laughs> Buffaloes knew their place and they weren't going to go to the college football playoff. I needed Deion Sanders to stop talking. It's all their fault. How lame are you that you take so much joy into that? The only thing I might understand is if Colorado State fans or rivals want to see Colorado get beat down. But because of the way that Dion was coaching, because of the way that this team was being talked about the way they were, you want to pound your chest over here on the East Coast with no skin in the game whatsoever? And you want to say, yeah, Dion, take that beat down. Take it. <laughs> Ain't no way you should get in the college football playoff. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but that's because I'm objectively evaluating what their team consists of. Everybody else took this real personal. It was personal for these other people. If you took joy in Dion and the Buffaloes getting beat down like that, or if you had a real problem with Dan Lanning's pregame speech, I got one word for you, Wes. You're lame. So lame. And that's it for the foul line. Okay. We're off and running all the Monday. I like it. Yeah, man, it was just big, and I knew it was coming. I couldn't wait to hit Twitter or X, whichever you want to call it, as soon as that game Bring was that over with. Bring that music back. <laughs> all right, so real quick, we're up against a break, but – Clemson, Florida State, 
Florida State takes the win in overtime, 30-24. to 24. They get the job done. We're going to hit on this more as the week goes by. But what do you feel like is next for Clemson? Were you surprised with the outcome of this matchup? The Florida State game, I was not surprised with the outcome of this matchup. If you look at Florida State, I had them winning in this game as well. Now, Clemson... I wonder how much the story is actually Clemson playing as well as they did and Dabo holding them back to a certain degree. What was his game management at the end of this situation? Not calling a timeout, play calling, not running up to the line of scrimmage. Cade Klumnik actually playing his best game that we've seen by far this season. The wide receivers actually coming through. The play calling from Garrett Riley. There were a couple of nice routes run in some of these designs. No, it was not a 100% fantastic performance by everybody involved. But Wes, the Clemson Tigers had looked really bad going into this game against any level of significant competition. So kudos to them for playing as well as they did. But Florida State, they dug deep and they did a good job of getting that victory at the end with the help of a missed kick and with the help of Dabo mismanaging this game quite a bit at the end. There were a lot of different things, and I just feel like at the end of the day, Florida State had the guys that were the difference makers. We talked about Clemson being devoid of the T. Higginses of the world and the Sammy Watkins type of receivers out there, guys that can make plays, and I think that's what Florida State ended up doing because you look at a game where Clemson outgained, out first down the nose. Florida State converted only 30% of their third down to Clemson's 42 percent uh the second half though florida state turned it up one at 17 to seven clemson ran 43 plays in the second half to fsu's 28 and outgained them in the second half as well but the difference fsu had six plays of 15 plus yards when you're talking about passing the ball 172 of those passing yards game were considered big plays 15 plus yard completions to clemson's four clemson did outrush florida state 146 to 22 but when it came down to it. Kalen DeLoach had the big game-changing play that put Florida State back in it to tie it. And then when it came down to it, yes, Clemson did make a kick or miss a kick with a guy who was fresh off the street. I figured that pressure was going to get to him. And then when they got into overtime, it looked like a miscommunication on Cage's throw to end the game. But uh, Jordan Travis said after the game he felt the coverage was disrespectful playing one-on-one. He just threw it up to his 6'4 plus wide receiver Keon Coleman got the job done as he became Florida State's all-time leader in TDR. He passed Chris Winkie uh, in that contest. Fiddy, I'll let you get a comment in real quick because I know you uh, have picked Clemson to win, but what did you see from that contest? Um, Dabo's dynasty is dead because they, they don't lose these games. And as great as Florida State played at certain moments, I thought Jordan Travis made every big throw he had to make. I'm, Clemson doesn't lose those games. Not 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 when they were a national title contender year in, year out. And I think Saturday was just another example of, A, Florida State's back. They're a real threat to get to the college ball player for the first time in a decade. But unless Dabo evolves, I think Clemson's days of being a top program in the ACC or in the country, I think they're done. Wow. Okay, yeah. We're definitely going to get into that topic uh, more this week, maybe Pity even more bomb. in this show. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure I can say that, but it'll be interesting to see this offseason what type of approach he takes. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.